Hey, Emily. Hey, Stephanie. You uh, want to do a podcast? Absolutely. Welcome to Cycle Chats, a podcast to destigmatize what it means to be a woman. This is episode 63, Anxiety and Hypnotherapy. Today, we are speaking with a woman who is passionate about supporting others to reach their goals and get their spark back. She's here to remind us that no matter what has happened in the past and what path our life has taken, we all deserve to be happy and anxiety-free so that we can live our best lives. That's right. It's anxiety hypnotherapist and psychotherapist, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for welcoming me here. I, do you know what? I have to say, I completely binge listened to your episodes and you've had absolutely amazing women on your podcast. And I was a bit like, oh, I've been asked to come on. Like, so grateful. So, so grateful. Oh, thank Aww, you. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And now you, yeah. And now as we, we used to say, we really don't say it anymore. You get to kind of join our spider web of, of ladies, of these really amazing women that have totally transformed our lives over the last two and a half years. So welcome. We're so excited to have you in this space to start having this conversation. I'm so thrilled. And just so you know, if everybody's at home listening, Stephanie and I are on brand new microphones. So if we sound just like a slice of heaven, it's because nice it's new mics, nice and crispy. Just wanted to make sure to put that in there because I'm very proud of the new microphones. Anyway, let us get the spotlight back on you, Nicole. I want to know what made you get into this field? Gosh, it, I have to say it's a bit of a boring story to start with. So I was a teacher before. So I taught in primary. I think you guys call it like elementary school. Yeah. And um, knew that I wouldn't always be a teacher, but I've always been very interested in mental health just because I know that underpins absolutely everything. And sort of COVID came around. COVID was a bit of a blessing and a curse, you know, all at the same time for me. And it just made me realise that I needed to do a bit more, that actually me standing up, teaching children maths, English, you know, all of that was great, but I didn't feel like I was doing enough and there needed to be a lot more that was done. So I started exploring different avenues, thought, you know, what could I do? And then at the same time, I mean, I'm sure it's the same with you girls in the States, that the education system just puts too much pressure on people and you know on, on the children on the staff on the parents and I really noticed that the people that I was working with and the children and even like the parents I was speaking to were just were really really struggling and I think because there's only so much that you can do as a teacher that puts so much pressure on me and I found myself really struggling my anxiety levels were absolutely through the roof I have high functioning anxiety which means I pretty much fake it to everybody else so to everybody else you know I looked like I was doing everything calmly coolly and it was all great but underneath oh my gosh I was paddling like anything like you know I had no lifeboat yeah you know what's funny it's not funny but I think in retrospect I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and I noticed that a lot of people that struggle with a, like heavy anxiety always say that they feel like they're either drowning or they're paddling or they're swimming or they're dreading water like it literally feels like you cannot breathe and 
I feel like I'm taking on the ocean. So I find you're like about the third or fourth person recently I've spoken to that uses some form of that analogy. So for everyone listening, that's what it feels like. It's terrible. <laughs> and I see that all the time. And so it got to the point where I just thought I need to do something about it. And so many people were, you know, going to the doctors, getting medication. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there's a time and place for medication. But for me, you know, going to the doctors meant that I had to admit that I had a problem. I also knew as well that if I went to the doctors, I would have been signed off. And for me, not being able to do my job meant that I was I was a failure, you know, which is ridiculous because that's not true. But that's how I saw things whilst I was in this sort of cloudy haze. And so I started looking at different alternatives and came across hypnotherapy. Now I'd had hypnotherapy a few years back. I actually had a phobia of blood and working in a school it was really it was really tough because everyone was constantly bleeding and knocking you know bloody noses and all sorts. So I'd had hypnotherapy a few years back it was really effective and I thought maybe I should give it a go and looked into it. Well I had one session completely changed everything and I had four sessions overall and I thought you know what actually this is what I need to be doing. It was so powerful so effective. I thought yeah I'm going to retrain so I retrained had this plan in mind where I would you know get to the end of the school year and then I would go off and you know I would have qualified at this point and then I will open up my own practice but it didn't quite work like that COVID came along it gave me a kick up the backside (laughs) whatever you want to call it whether it's the universe god whatever basically said no no this this is it this needs to be the end of it you need to stop now so I got backed into a quite difficult corner with my job and ended up saying no this is not for me anymore gave my notice in and just concentrated on training and opening my practice and that sort of got me to where I am today yeah so that's quite a long story really just to get to that no I I loved every second of it it's important for people to understand that you are allowed to at any point in your life change what you're doing and go after what you want and especially with people who are more prone to anxiety like high levels of anxiety I think that's what kicks you into finding your actual passion and being able to almost like co-parent with your anxiety so to speak it was the same thing for me when I finally broke I was at a job I couldn't stand I found absolutely no like passion in it I lost myself and now I am in a completely different place in my life but had that not happened I would not be here so yeah like you said I think COVID is one of those things that was a blessing and a curse in a way so kudos to you for making a huge change and a shift in your life that's a hard thing to do and you did it despite oh definitely I mean you know it's funny because I've reframed it now where I I am very grateful for my anxiety because had I not experienced it I wouldn't be in the position I am in at the moment I wouldn't be connecting and helping lots of people I wouldn't be connecting with you ladies you know I'd yeah. still be in the classroom somewhere so once you get out of that place and you realize you know go beyond that fear so many doors open yeah so much so you just mentioned fear and I was just telling Stephanie my husband and I are big nerds right now we're watching a D&D campaign on a site called dropout and what the DM is having this party go through is that they're in like this nightmare forest and to get through to the center of the forest which is where the mission would end they have to follow their fear and if they do not then the forest kicks them out and so he's having these players say as their character what is your greatest fear and then playing on those and making them go through trials and tribulations so that they can make their way into the forest and we're watching this 
this. And we're just like so anxious because of course, anybody's greatest fear, you can immediately like sympathetically or empathetically connect to, and you're watching these people deal with these things and have to face them. And then once they get to the center of the forest and and they've gotten through all of these trials that the dungeon master has made them go through, the way he's showing them that they have grown through the experience is that he's allowing them to take their lowest ability score and roll 3d6 and add that to that lowest ability score so that their characters have grown and learned in either intelligence, charisma, or wisdom. So I think that's hugely important, this idea of kind of facing a fear in a lot of ways, because Steph used to say all the time, you know, things seem much scarier on the other side when they're projected on a wall, like a little dust bunny can look awfully big in that shadow. But once you finally face it, you realize that it was just the little dust bunny all along. So I I think fear is a huge factor for so many people is that they're just really scared of turning over a new leaf. So as Steph said before, and I will echo it now, it takes so much personal journey, strength, passion, all of it to say this is not for me anymore. And I'm going to follow a different path. So thank you for doing that because you have now inspired us. You've inspired everybody listening. You've inspired all of these women to finally say, I'm going to follow a different path for myself. And I think that's huge. Do you know what the biggest thing that I that I learned was when I was at my ultimate low when you know I was I was sitting in the shower crying thinking do I quit my job do I carry on a really really good friend of mine said to me what scares you more that fear of the unknown or the fear that you're going to continue feeling the way that you do for the rest of your life and that hit hard because I thought god how I'm feeling at the moment is awful it's horrific but actually I'm scared of something that I don't know anything about and actually it might not be even as bad as what I'm experiencing at the moment so I think I'm going to take the chance and that that's what really gave me the kick up the backside in that moment to think do you know what I'm actually going to go for the fear of the unknown because I know how I'm going to feel if I carry on being stuck in the position that I'm in at the moment and I say that you know a lot of my clients come to me when they're at that point where they feel like they've got nothing to lose they've tried absolutely everything and this is their last resort that they say to me you know I'm only trying this because there is nothing else out there and I don't have anything to lose which is very sad in some ways that they feel like they've got to that point but also little do they realize that actually there's quite a lot through that door that they've now opened up it gives people hope and I think that's what's really important so we're talking about what you do but let's really dive into kind of the meat and potatoes of it so our listeners and us can get a better idea yeah I don't know a lot like I the only connection that I have to hypnotherapy and hypnosis is like as a child going to like the fairs and And they would have like the audience and they'd ask people to volunteer and make people do like whatever crazy things. But it's not like I was ever chosen. It's not like anybody I know was ever chosen. So that's the only connection that I have to this. So I'm I'm just so curious. The brain is so interesting to me. I need to know like more about it. So ask the question, Steph. I'm, I'm excited and getting ready. What is hypnotherapy and what does it feel like to be hypnotized? So let's start off with what hypnotherapy isn't, which is what you just said there about being at the fair and the the stage hypnosis that that, that we think of. So 
I, unfortunately, hypnotherapy doesn't involve sort of any swinging pendulums, mind control. I can't get you to cluck like a chicken. And I always say this, I say, gosh, if I had those type of superpowers, I would have the tidiest house ever. I wouldn't have to tell my husband to do anything because, <laughs> I, I, you know, I would have done whatever I needed to have done and he would be well-trained. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So hypnotherapy is very different in a therapeutic setting because it's not about entertainment purposes. It's not about controlling somebody. It's about getting them into a really deep, relaxed state. And I say it's a deep, relaxed state. For some people, it doesn't even have to be a deep state. It's just, it's around getting them to be able to visualize and take on board different suggestions that we talk about in the session. And through it all, we have access to the subconscious mind. And I don't know how much you ladies know about the subconscious mind, but it's so, so powerful. And that's that's where we get the change happening. So there's all sorts of types of hypnotherapy out there. I practice in something called solution focused, which pretty much says what it is on the tin. We focus purely on the solutions, the goals, where you want to be, rather than talking about your problems and your past. I mean, there'll be times when that kind of comes up just naturally, but we don't focus on that because the way we see it is that What's happened has happened. What's happened in your past, we can't change. But what we can change are your thoughts around that. And we focus on how you want to be. Because although our brains are very clever, our brain doesn't actually know the difference between what's imagined and what's real. So every time you talk about a problem or you think about a problem, your brain and your body think that you're going through that problem. So then you're getting the stress hormones, you know, the adrenaline, and we don't want to feel like that. So we don't focus on the problem. And what I do is based very much on neuroscience. So there's, you know, there's, there's not that woo woo element to it that everyone thinks. I, I teach my clients about the brain. So I teach them how their brain works and why they're behaving in certain ways and what we can do to create these new neural pathways to make their habits and their thoughts more positive so that they can achieve the goals they ultimately want. And it's funny because lots of people say like, so what does it feel like to be hypnotized? And actually... I have to correct them and I say like, well, I don't hypnotize you because it sounds like something that's done on, you know, without your control. It's mm-hmm. something that I do to you. And that's not the case at all. So during the hypnosis side of things, a, a hypnotherapist will speak and guide you into a into a nice relaxed state. A little bit like, you know, that state when you're driving, you're going somewhere that you, you've been before and then you get somewhere and you're like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And you don't remember that journey at all. Well, that's that's a trance state. That's a very similar state to what you're in when you're, you know, undergoing hypnosis. Or, you know, if you're watching TV and you're so, you're so engrossed on what you're watching and you don't hear somebody shout your name, that's trance. So we naturally go into trance-like states several times throughout the day. And the hypnosis side of things just gets you into a nice relaxed state so that you are entering this sort of state of focused attention when you're in that nice relaxed state we have that access to your subconscious mind and it's just such a powerful tool to to help bring about change and during you know the hypnosis process your hypnotherapist will offer sort of indirect suggestions our subconscious mind is a it's a bit like a teenager it doesn't like to be told what to do so you know your hypnotherapist wouldn't necessarily say well you're not going to eat that chocolate cake or you're no longer going to be anxious because your subconscious mind is going to go huh I'm not listening to that 
I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do what you, you tell me to. And so it won't take on board those changes. So they're very open, indirect suggestions that if your brain wants to take on board, it will. Anything it doesn't want to, it will just completely disregard. So that's where you don't have that element of mind control that lots of people tend to think hypnotherapy is like. I really appreciate that because I think it's got a lot of, forgive the word, but quackery associated with it. I've done it and it's actually lovely because it does allow your body to completely relax. And I love that you said your brain can't tell the difference between a perceived threat and an actual threat. I mean, that's anxiety disorder 101 is once you understand the mechanisms behind it, it's like your brain loves you so much. You're like amygdala, your fear center is like trying to protect you from whatever this thing is. And so it's creating all of this stress and anxiety. And it's just, it's a, it's an overactive protection. So hypnotherapy is really great because your brain learns by action. So it's learning this action of total relaxation. Do you find with clients, this is not a question that we had planned, but I want to ask it anyway. Do you find that with clients that it allows them to have quicker jump back times from a panic attack? Definitely. So I do work with a lot of clients who suffer with panic attacks. And in most cases, a lot of them say that they stop having the panic attacks either straight away or within a couple of sessions. And this is where I think that that sort of, oh, it's like a magic wand's been waved because they can't understand it. I try and explain it to them, but they're, they're so flabbergasted because they're like, but I, I used to get panic attacks and, you know, people get panic attacks for no reason at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they'll say, but I don't feel like I'm, ha- I'm going to have a panic attack. And it, you're so used to having panic attacks and all of a sudden it stops. It feels a bit strange. It's almost a little bit like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. you're like, what's wrong? Why is yeah. it like the calm before the storm? I think what I love about that too is like, I think it also helps people be able to realize that they can have a panic attack and still continue on with their day. Like I've had panic attacks while in the middle of an interview, you wouldn't even be able to tell. I'm like, oop. I'm getting all the symptoms. I'm like, well, it's just going to pass. My body's going to do what it does, you know? And obviously my heart's beating out of my chest, but I learned to relax and to allow myself to just go through it and realize it's not going to that kind of put me under. So I was always very curious at that because that's a cool one to realize that you can go from having a panic attack and being out of commission for a week to having one and like finishing your day. And then like you forgot you had one when you went to bed. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. I had one earlier today. You're like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a wild change. You're like, what? And that's the thing, you know, we all experience anxiety. Mm-hmm. Even the coolest, calmest person out there experiences anxiety. And your brain wouldn't be doing its job if it didn't alert you to things. That amygdala is doing its job. And so, yes, okay, sometimes it does have its moments and it it, it comes up a little bit more than it should. But it's that understanding of, yes, I can feel anxious, but I can get through this. My younger clients will say to their, their amygdala, do you know what? Quiet down. Be quiet. <laughs> I don't need you right now. And then be able to move on from it. Uh-huh. And I think there's more power in that, in knowing that actually your brain will do what it needs to do, but ultimately you are in control. I think that's the biggest thing here. I think I brought this up in the last recording as well. Something that always happens in our recordings. It always centers around the brain and how we are in charge. We have to be the people to make the change. And I'll say it again, and I've said it a thousand times. So everybody take a shot, but like (laughs) you, you have to put in the work. And I don't think a lot of people are willing to do that because they just say, well, it's too much for me to do the work. So 
I'm not even going to try. But like the power is in the doing. The power is in that facing of the fear, right? To kind of bring it back to the top of the conversation and to therefore say, look what I've overcome. If everybody just was dealt with obstacles, right? And we were just able to like easily leap over them. What would life be then? It would be nothing. Everyone would be happy strolling around with like a parasol on a beautiful breezy day. But unfortunately, life isn't always like that. We are given obstacles so that we can prove to ourselves we can overcome them. But so many people just try and find their way around the obstacle instead of facing it. So I think it's so amazing that in this form of therapy and in really all forms of therapy, you are there to guide, but it is up to the person. I always say to my students, I can give you the building blocks, but you have to build the castle. And that that's it. That's literally, that is what I'm trying to implement in them so that they understand how important it is that they work at it. I can't hold their hand. They're college students. I'm not following them home. They have to put in the work to make the change, to do the assignments, to get things in on time, to stay on top of it. That's being an adult. That's what being a human is. So I absolutely love that. And I kind of want to dive. I, I, and like Steph said, this, the question that I'm about to ask really wasn't on on the, the docket, but I'm just so curious because I know Stephanie knows more about it than I think I do, just having normal human anxiety myself. I want to just dive a bit more into the brain because A, I just love hearing you talk about it and B, because I'm so intrigued by it. So like the brain and the subconscious, like are there things that maybe we can do at home to help train our brain better or that we can become more aware of these different parts and how the brain really works? Because I just think it's amazing. It, it, it's amazing. The brain is so cool. Oh, I love the brain. I love that you're giving, giving me permission to talk about the brain. I can now please, geek out please, the brain. Please, please, please. <laughs> well, in terms of like the one tip that I always, give to people is that we need to think about retraining our brain to look for the good things because especially if you are an anxious person your brain will be switched on to notice those negative things because it's in survival mode so we need to think about retraining it bringing it back in to looking for those good things so something that I tell my clients to do and something that I still do to this day is every day I sit down and I write down all of the good things that have happened during the day now that they, they don't have to be big things because you know, we don't always have big things that happen to us during the day. Anything that is that is good. So as you, your listeners can probably hear, I'm English. I like a good cup of tea. So for me, being able to sit down with a nice cup of tea is a good thing for me. So that tends to go on my list every day because I just love my tea. Anything at all, just write it down. Because as I mentioned before, our brain doesn't know the difference between what's imagined and what's real. So when we're thinking about those good things, our brain thinks that we're experiencing those good things again and we're getting a lovely burst of serotonin for the people that don't know what serotonin is it's that feel-good chemical that we need lots and lots of for us to have healthy behaviors for us to cope it's even very good for pain as well pain relief so we want lots of serotonin through us so I sit down every day I do it at the end of my day some of my clients do it in the morning and I'll just write down as many good things as that you know that I can remember from my day that have been good and that starts to retrain your brain there's a particular part of your brain called the reticular activating system 
system and it acts as a filter that filters out different things. Now, if you've almost got your reticular activating system filtering out the bad things, you're focusing on the good things. Whereas quite often when we're walking around in that heightened, anxious state, our reticular activating system is noticing all those bad things. And they don't have to be the catastrophic bad things. They're just, you know, the little things, that the negative things, you know, a dirty look that someone might give us, somebody cutting us up when we're driving, whatever it is. So we want to bring that back and we want to retrain our brain to look for those good things. So I would say that's, that's definitely one tip. The other thing is sleep. I know sleep sounds very boring, but we need to be sleeping because when we sleep, all sorts of processes happen. We're filing away and we're filtering out all those emotions that we've had during the day and we're putting them into different parts of our brain. But sleep is the biggest thing when it comes to managing our anxiety. And I know it's hard because when you're anxious, you don't necessarily always sleep. You know, it's a bit of a vicious cycle, really. But, you know, having a really good sleep routine so listening to a guided meditation a guided relaxation having a lovely you know nighttime routine where you're off your phone ideally two hours before bed something that people don't know as well that actually making sure that you get sufficient sunlight in the morning helps especially sort of that first hour when you wake up that's a really big thing as well because that resets that internal clock that we have, that circadian rhythm that we've got that indicates to us when it's time to go to bed and and makes us feel tired or awake. That's a really big thing as well. So getting your sleep, getting a good solid sleep routine really will help, will help with that. I love that. Something that my husband has been doing because he's big on like getting great sleep and trying to start his day off right. So something that he's been doing probably within the last three weeks is that when we wake up in the morning, he wakes up before I do and he gets a bunch of stuff done. Then when I'm up, we walk the dog together. When we come back inside, he'll opens up the hatch of his car. He'll sit inside of it and listen to a book on tape as the sun rises. He's like, people must think that I am a crazy person because we live in like a community. So it's not like we have our own driveway or anything. We share it. So he's like waving to people as they're going off to work. He's like, it makes me really happy. And I get to see some really beautiful things and know that I'm taking in the sun. And he like brings his cup of coffee with him. It just seems so nice. Like, I'm glad that he has that time where he is you know, experiencing that time to himself and kind of in his own little world and hopefully making somebody's day by like waving at them in the morning, I'm sure. And it's so simple. It's such a simple thing. It doesn't cost anything. And that's the thing, you know, people think that in order to tackle anxiety, they have to have all the gadgets and, you know, it's the simple things. It's bringing it back to those simple behaviors that makes all the difference. Yeah. So I guess then my next question would be like, how can hypnotherapy be utilized to help somebody with anxiety or other issues? Like how are you, we've talked so much about it, but how are you kind of helping them? How does it actually work? I guess what should be the question. So when you're experiencing anxiety, you're in your survival brain. We call that your primitive brain. And that's like the oldest part of your brain that's been around you know, since the beginning of human civilization. Now, the thing is, is that when we're in that part of our brain, it can't rationalize. It's why you can't take on board that advice that you might give to give to somebody else who's in that position. The only thing is, is that part of the brain only knows how to be anxious, angry, or sad and depressed. So when you're working from that part of your brain, you're in fight or flight mode or fight, flight, freeze mode. So hypnotherapy works in several ways. So it helps get you out of being in that primitive brain 
So it works on retraining your brain to look for, as I've mentioned, look for the good things rather than those negative things. Because when we're in our primitive brain as well, we're constantly looking out for danger. So when we're spotting more of those negative things that are out there, it stops your brain as well from catastrophizing. So it, it helps you to recognize when you're about to go down a spiral and whether that's catastrophizing about the future, you know, the what ifs or ruminating about the past. It brings you back to being more in the present moment. And the thing is, is that all those negative thoughts that we have future past present if it's a negative thought your brain doesn't know that it's not actually happening it, like I've said before and I keep saying it thinks that you're going through that actual event that you're anxious about or you're stressed about so we're essentially stopping your brain from pulling on that fire alarm indicating that there's fire and danger all around we're getting you to be more grounded more calmer so it works on several levels in the sense that it stops you from from that happening as much but like I said everybody has moments when they feel anxious and you know and, and they experience anxiety but it helps you to navigate those feelings when that happens so you know like like we've said that you have that hope that you know you're going to work through it that things are going to be okay and it brings you back to being in your intellectual brain where you can rationalize where you can problem solve where you can do those things that you need to in order to bring yourself back to that calm it also works as well because it it naturally helps to shift your perspective so we're creating these new neural pathways in your brain so that you are more likely to take that given route that you want so whether that's not wanting to feel as anxious when you're speaking to people in public or healthy eating habits you know hypnotherapy can help with so many different things that it just helps to change that perspective so that your behaviors can change in a positive way and hypnotherapy it's you know the hypnosis side of it itself is really relaxing which reduces anxiety and it's it's about getting you into that part of your brain where you can visualize and you can imagine and daydream and through that you just have a much more positive outcome and it just shifts that perspective rather than you being in that oh my gosh I'm stuck in this panic mode and you know for some people they feel like they're going to die in, in that moment or they feel like they're going to be stuck there forever it gives you those tools to realize that actually no these feelings will pass I'm stronger than these feelings and then you can navigate yourself back so I guess you know we were talking about the brain and and being in the driver's seat really so like I'm sure you've encountered this before because I could only imagine being in your shoes, like where somebody comes in brand new patient and they are unwilling, like, how do you get mm -hmm. past that? Because it, like we were talking about, it has to be on us. We are the people making the change in our own body. So do you just have people that are so unwilling that like, it just can't work because they themselves have built such a huge wall. They cannot even surpass it. I mean, to be honest, a lot of people that approach me, adults that approach me, are willing to give it a go. They're either, you know, open anyway, or they're that desperate that they're willing to give anything a go, a last stab at something. I get it quite a lot when I work with younger clients, where I get parents drag them in. But I make it quite clear with them from the beginning, before I do any kind of work with anybody, I always think it's a good idea for us to have a little bit of a chat, because I might not be the right therapist for you. And if that's the case, it's not going to work. I'm not going to push for that I can put you in, in touch with somebody else or, or you know point you down the right avenue so I always have a chat with potential clients anyway three of charge just so that we can gauge you know our expectations and I make it very clear that it's not a magic wand I don't perform miracles my joke is I'm not Jesus you know and the thing is is that if I could 
do all of those things, I'd be charging up a lot more than I do. You know, if I could snap my fingers and all of a sudden you were cured. You'd be out of a job too, you know? Curing everybody. You're cured and you're cured. I'm Oprah now. You'd be, you'd have your own island. Like you would have like maybe a client once in a while, but you'd be loaded. Yeah. Exactly. And so I make it very clear that that's not how it works. It takes effort on their behalf now it's very minimal effort compared to some other therapies and you know if you decide to do other things it's not as hard but I always liken it to if I was a personal trainer I would give you all of the advice I can you know go through the meal plan with you the exercises but ultimately you need to put the work in if you want that six pack or or, you know whatever your weight goal is you need to put that work in and quite often you know when I get people that are kind of on the fence with it by the time I've done my because I do a brain explanation in the first session that I do with my clients I've normally won them over because they've realized that actually this isn't woo woo you're going to you know wave your little magic wand at me this comes down to science and that difference in them that hope that they they feel and they see that's enough to sort of convince them that this could this could possibly work I love love that that. I love that I do I really do and you know what I always said that therapy won't work unless you work with it. And I love that you sit and you will let them know if you're a good match or not. I have had therapists try to help me and they don't know what on earth they're doing. And I'm like, just tell me we're not a fit. Like, just please, or guide me. And especially with anxiety disorders, because they're so adaptable to other disorders and it's so unknown. Unless you work with someone who's specifically trained in that, you can't just like snap a rubber band or put your hands under cold water. That doesn't work. That's a temporary fix. You're teaching them the actual skills you need. It's like a deep form of meditation in order to relax your body, to allow the anxiety and to retrain your brain. I just, I adore the fact that you educate them on what's going on in their head. Learning that for me took away like 90% of the fear of what was happening. Like once I started actually clicking that I'm like, oh, it's literally just my brain doing brain things. Like I'll have that loud echoey. It almost feels like you're hallucinating when you're falling asleep. You know what I mean? Like when you're falling asleep and like you'll like your thoughts will become very loud. I never thought twice at that growing up. I was always just like, that's how I knew I was sleepy and I was falling into a dream state, but I wasn't quite in the full deep sleep. Then as I got the anxiety disorder, I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Like I'm going crazy. And it's like, no, your brain is literally just doing a normal brain function, but something fell asleep faster than the other. And that's what that sound is. And it just, I appreciate so much that you sit and take time to talk to your clients about that. Cause that's a huge piece of the puzzle that not a lot of therapists do. And the fact that you do it, it's key. That's what I think. I think it's just key to having a good successful run of your sessions is having a competent therapist who like, is like, Hey, listen, I'm just going to give it to you straight. Like the brain's just doing its thing right now you know you don't have to be afraid of it it's just being a brain and I find that there's real power in that and and some of my clients my younger clients particularly will will name that part of their brain they'll be like be quiet Sharon or my Karen brain's talking to me again and I just (laughs) tell her to be quiet and it's it's hilarious because actually you know they're recognizing it and jokes aside it, it, it makes it be that actually do you know what it's not your fault It's just your brain doing brain things. I always say as well that our brains are a little bit like, it's like a dog. Dogs have it in them where they can bite. But if you train them, they'll stop pulling and you know all the things that dogs naturally do if you allow them to do them. Whereas actually if you train them and put the time in to care into your brain, 
then it will do the things that you want. It will sit nicely by you and walk nicely. That's kind of what our brain is like. And I think people have the misconception that you can like control your brain and control everything that it does. And I'm like, no, the control comes into not allowing yourself to get wrapped up in the narrative. I mean, that's the craziest thing to learn is that your brain is constantly scanning for perceived threats or threats to keep you safe. Like that's its function is it's scanning. It's always scanning and looking for a problem to solve. Because like even when there's nothing going on for me, I'm still like in the background. It's like someone's yelling like, but there's this thing that could happen. But it's, you know, over the sound of an ocean and the clinking of ice in my drink. So I'm just kind of like, it's always kind of there. And then you, you can either bring it to the forefront or you can let it be there, acknowledge it. I do the same thing. I'm always like, thank you so much for that horrific thought of my whole family dying and a fiery crash. But I don't think that's going to be something I'm going to think about till it happens, if it happens. But thank you, though. I really appreciate that visual. Beautiful job. Great picture. We're going to put it on the fridge. I treat it like it's a toddler. Like, that's such a good drawing. Thank you. Are we all decapitated in this? It is, but that part of our brain, that primitive brain, is a toddler. And if it doesn't get its own way, it will scream and it will shout. And sometimes you do just need to ignore it. Yeah, it goes to sleep. And then you're like, oh, see, we got all worked up for no reason. And that's why we need to do good things, you know, the things that we enjoy doing as well, doing lots of feel-good activities because toddlers like doing fun things. So mm-hmm. do, do more of the things that spark joy and then it won't be as loud. I absolutely, absolutely that. yeah, I love where this conversation is going. Nicole, I could talk to you for hours. The things <laughs> that are going on right now, currently in my brain, we're going to have a, a lot of fun, Nicole. I can tell in our future, this is going to be a long standing friendship. Stephanie already knows what I'm thinking and everybody listening already knows what I'm I'm thinking as well. So we'll talk about that later. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Nicole may not know, but we, we all know. So I am flabbergasted. I think there are some times I feel like this happened with Laura Mayhoffer as well when she came on where I was just kind of like baffled by what I was learning. And I'm in that same state here where I'm just so enthralled by what you're saying, by what you do, by the knowledge that you're sharing. Because something that Stephanie and I say all the time is knowledge is power. Like we're so fearful of education, but like education is key. We need a lot of education so that we can be our most powerful selves. And the more we learn from people that are experts in their field, the more educated you are as a human. And you're going to walk into life so much better, so much more grown, growing outside the box, outside spaces. I just like, so thank you a, a million times. I This is absolutely amazing. Before I start wrapping it up, I need to know if you have like a favorite client story. Cause I could imagine that like your clients are probably, they probably do see you as a magician or Jesus. And first like, of all, I just have to say that if Jesus looks like Nicole, I'm going back to church. I'm reading the Bible every day. I'm converting from Judaism. From Judaism, like absolutely fierce. You guys will hopefully see, we'll post videos and pictures. I look like a trucker right now and she looks like just a beautiful angel. So with that being said, yes, client story. I'm just saying like, guys, please get with it. God, you know, it's really hard to pick just one because I do work I mean I work with lots of different people mostly women a client actually very similar to me in terms of high function anxiety really really struggled was having a horrific time at home came from 
a family where lots of abuse was involved, then sort of repeated that in her marriage. You know, there was a, mm. there was a lot going on. Felt that she was so, so stuck. And I just got a random message from her one day. So this is, you know, when she first approached me. Very much, I need your help. Didn't really give me much. And sometimes, you know, potential clients don't. And so I said, okay, that you know, it's fine. I can... I can give you a call. Let's have a chat. Like I said, there's no pressure. I told me that nothing that she'd ever tried before had worked. And so we had a little bit of a chat and said, you know, if you want, do you want to think about it? Or we can book a session in. She was like, no, let's book a session in. We did one session and then literally she went home and I get a little bit emotional thinking about this actually. She, She texted me and said, I'm so glad that I found you because I didn't want to say anything to you when I saw you. But basically if you hadn't have replied to my email that day, I wouldn't be here right now. She said I was actually at such rock bottom. She ummed and ahed about whether or not she would get back into contact with me and she thought no I I think I'm going to and then she did and then it was it was almost that little step it was oh well she probably won't get back to me or she hasn't got time in her schedule or and she said it was just the conversation that we had that completely changed things around and now she's absolutely thriving you know she all for her own decisions you know realized her worth left her husband left her job you look at her and you wouldn't think that she was plagued with all the issues that she'd had before. It's hard because, you know, you look at her and you think she's done so well, but then it's also the other side of things where you think we wouldn't have this amazing person in the world right now had she not gone through what she had. And for her to have been at that point where she was so, so low and thinking that nothing would help. It's one of my favourite stories, but also... You know, it's it's sad at the same time because I know that there's lots of people out there that are experiencing very similar feelings. That's heartbreaking when you hit rock bottom like that. And I think sometimes we have to stop and realize that we're all fighting our own battles and that sometimes just spending five minutes to talk to someone pulls them out of that headspace because it is a very permanent solution to a very temporary problem. And I've dealt with it firsthand. It is one of, if not the most uncomfortable thing. I wouldn't say that I deal with it to the extent that I used to, but from time to time when my depression flares up, I will go to a dark spot and it's really uncomfortable. And it's like nobody actually wants to be sitting in that and it passes. And so even to be able to have somebody that you can confide in to say, here's where I am right now. I just, I need you to, I call it the surrender. You're pretty much just putting your palms out and you're like, I got nothing right now and I need someone to remind me that I'm safe and I'm okay. And you did that. I teared up a little bit too. Uh, yeah, that I, was, got, I, I was, I got emotional as well. Yeah. That <laughs> reminded me of, of some dark days. And so thank you on behalf of someone who's gone through it for reaching out to her. Cause that's literally the word. I wouldn't even wish that upon someone I truly dislike. What I loved is like your conversation is the thing that started her ability to take the step. That's it. It's a conversation. I think Steph and I know from doing 133 episodes of this thing that it's a conversation and it literally, we walk away taking so much from it. It has changed our lives just getting to know you all in under like an hour. It's priceless. Conversations are priceless. You just have to be open, honest, and able to receive what's being said on both sides of the spectrum so that you can walk away having that full heart. It's just, it's a conversation. And so many people are just so scared of having that conversation, but that's, that's all it is. It's a tiny step 
but it's the seed that's being planted in the soil so that it sprouts later. And I, I think that's, it's amazing. That's what made me start to tear up because I was, conversations are, that's what we do here. Conversations are extraordinary. They are unreal. They have changed literally the trajectory of both my and Stephanie's lives just through these conversations. So thank you a million times. I'm going to be singing your praises throughout the rest of this recording. So as you've empowered me and inspired me so much through this conversation, you've given me so much life. So thank you. I feel like I just got like a caffeine dose within this last hour. I need to know what women empowerment means to you. For me, it's that feeling that sense and that knowing that all women from all walks of life you know doesn't matter where you've come from that you are incredibly limitless that through compassion and self-worth and just that ability to make our own choices and celebrate our achievements and celebrate the things that make us different and unique and I think as well celebrating our perfect imperfections is all about that empowerment it's about realizing that not only do you belong in in a room but there's a table with your name on it and there's a seat and it doesn't matter who else is along that table you know male female whoever that you deserve to be there and that you can be heard and I think when you bring all those elements together it builds us up and there's real power when women are all together you know that's where the magic happens and we thrive and that magic benefits everyone not just other women everybody and it's it's a bit like shining your bright light along a path and sharing it with everybody else it just creates this beautiful ripple effect that everyone can benefit from and that every we need more of it you know, definitely. Very much so, man. All right. I'm sad to, to do this, but my last question for you is what advice would you give your 15 year old self? Gosh, my 15 year old self probably wouldn't listen to any advice that I would give. I know that's right. <laughs> oh, I was, yeah, very, I mean, I still am very headstrong. So I'm not sure she would listen to me, but do you know what? I, the advice I would give her would be to keep doing what you're doing and don't let anyone dull your light, you know, because as we get older, we put these expectations on ourselves that we need to act a certain way. I mean, society does it to us, family, and, and we do it to ourselves. And I think we lose that drive and that passion and that purpose that we that we have when we're younger. So I'd say, you know, keep doing all those things that, that you enjoy doing. Do more of those things that you enjoy doing. And do you know what? If other people aren't down with that, as long as you know, you know, you're doing what makes you happy, keep doing it. But my 15-year-old self probably wouldn't listen to that and do the complete opposite. She'd be like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm 15. I got it all figured out. Exactly. But yeah, enjoy. I'd, I'd say enjoy, you know, enjoy yourself as well. This was amazing. Emily always knows like when I'm going to be real enthralled with an interview she's like you're gonna love this woman and I'm like if you say it I believe it yeah so thank you so much I loved that not only are you beautiful but you are intellectual you have substance you know what you're talking about you're educated it is so important especially in a therapy setting that we go to people who understand what we've gone through 
and who have the experience, but more so than that, are willing to educate us. In some way, you continued your journey as a teacher in a much more true form to yourself. And that is so beautiful. It's unbelievable. So thank you for taking time out of your day and your schedule to speak with us because this, I mean, Emily and I are going to be talking about this all day. We will eventually bring this up again and again and again. I mean, it's this was one of those conversations that was just so yummy to the mind, truly. So thank you. We really appreciate it. It was that. our cup of tea. Yes. Emily was like holding on to it. She said, come on, come on, come on, finish. No, thank you so, so much. You know, like I said, so grateful to have been invited on when you have such amazing guests. Well, now you're we part try. of it, baby. We try. We try. Well, we know where to find you. But where can our listeners find you? And do you have anything coming up that we should keep our little brains open for? So social media, mostly on Instagram, but I'm on Facebook, TikTok and all of that. I'm NC Hypnotherapy. My website's nchypnotherapy.co.uk. But like I said, I'm mostly on Instagram. I have got as well on my Instagram link that you can download. I've got a free inner critic workbook. So listeners are more than welcome to download that. There's an audio on there as well like a sleep audio I don't spam you with things like and try and get you to buy off me or anything like that I I don't have time for that and I don't like that kind of thing so if you download it you probably won't hear from me I might you might get a thank you from me but that that's about it so yeah if anyone wants to check that out then then please do and if anyone you know wants to connect through social media then reach out I'm always happy to chat we also have a newsletter funny enough today someone that we like good friends with decided to on sorry I'm laughing because it's so funny we barely send anything out we maybe send stuff out like once a month, a month. It's, it's a month. <laughs> and it said they unsubscribed and I've never laughed so hard in my life I'm like oh okay I guess that one email a month was too much too for much you. <laughs> it's too much yeah it's all good it made me it, 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 it gave was good me, it, made, it gave it me gave a us- giggle it gave us immense joy today. <laughs> yes, it, it was a giggle. I, I love a giggle. I'm kind of speechless. I really, I can't thank you enough. This conversation was so enlightening. I am so thrilled to see, like I was saying earlier, where this connection is going to go because baby do I have plans for you. So just a million times thank you. I get to edit these and this is one of those episodes where I get to like sit back and edit this in such excitement to listen to this yummy conversation again. I'm going to definitely make myself a cup of tea and like drink my tea when I'm editing this. So I so look forward to this. Future Emily has something really exciting to look forward to. And all of you cats and kittens that just listened to this episode, man, you just got a goodie. So just immense thank yous over here. You all know who we are. We are Cycle Chats. You can follow us on Instagram at Cycle Chats, all lowercase, no space, or you can go to our website, www.cyclechats.com. That has our shop, that has our blog, that has our podcast, that has our YouTube. Everything under the sun that we do is all there. We will have a new shirt that should have already dropped by now. So you should go check that out because we're really excited about the new design. And as always, we hope you sync up with us next time. (laughs) 